not everybody approaches defense with that same intensity. So how do you approach your matchups each game with that intensity? Like, I'm going to go out there and get some damn stops, like every possession. What is that like? Well, now I've embraced it. I've always been someone that kind of liked defense, but I think now being one of the best defensive players on my team, that's how I get going offensively is with my defense. And just having that mindset that I know that I'm always going to guard the best guards or the best player. Mm -hmm. I have to come in with the mentality that I have got to put somebody on lock. Like there's no, no other option. I have to make someone else score. And that's just kind of the mentality that I've always had wanting to compete. And I think that's what I love about defense is that you get to compete at the highest level when it comes to defense and then just wanting to get stops. That's just the mindset that I have. And then when that happens and I'm locked in defensively, that helps my offensive game as well. So I kind of understand that I am the defensive spark for my team and I always have to bring it because everyone will follow suit if I do. But also knowing that in order for me to get going offensively, I got to start on the defensive end. Welcome back to Sometimes I Hoop. Today, we've got one of LA's finest on the pod. She's a two-time WNBA champ, UCLA's all-time assist leader, defensive menace in the league, hometown hero for the LA Sparks, none other than Jordan Canada. Thanks for hopping on the pod. Thank you for allowing me to be on the pod. Like, I'm excited for this, so thank you. Oh yeah, so excited to have you on, had to have you. The landscape of the league that's happening right now, things are getting kind of spicy in terms of the playoff run. What teams are you keeping an eye on as we get closer into the playoffs? I mean, y'all, obviously. (laughs) So we're looking at y'all, Chicago, even Minnesota, even though they got the lead over us, the series. But those are like the teams that we've been like looking out after, making sure that, you know, we're doing everything that we need to do to plead our case to hopefully get into playoffs. But yeah, we definitely looking at y'all. For sure. I feel like all the teams you just listed were all within like one to three games. So Yeah, like one to three games. And we haven't even finished our series against you guys or Chicago, which is going to be really huge. So, I mean, I mean, obviously I want to get the dub against y'all, but y'all really competitive. So I don't know. But yeah, like it's coming down to these last 10 games, which is so crazy. Season has gone by so fast. I can only imagine how you feel being a rookie going and navigating through all this. But yeah, it's just, it's been a fun ride, very up and down, but you know, we're still right there. So just trying to make that last minute push. For the season to be 40 games, it seems so long at the beginning. And I'm like, how is my body going to make it? Like, I'm exhausted. First half of season, I was like, oh my God, can this hurry up? It was so long. And as soon as All-Star break hit, it was like games were just like coming left and right. And I say this to my teammates all the time. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe we're playing again. Like, The off days go by so fast, and the next thing you know, you're playing again, and it's one game after another, and it's like, before you know it, we're down to 10 games already. So it's just kind of crazy how things just happen after the second half of, you know, since All-Star break. All-Star break happened, and now it just seems like it's downhill quick. Everybody's pushing to make offs, and I feel like just the focus and intensity of the games has gotten to a different level because, like we said earlier, like, everybody's right there. So how do you feel like with you guys at the Sparks, how has that mindset shift kind of happened as we move into this last quarter of the season? I think, honestly, we're starting to find our flow more than anything. You know, I mean, everybody knows we've dealt with so much adversity the, the first half 
season with injuries, people being sick and in and out of the lineup. We couldn't really find our flow. And I think now we're starting to find the chemistry between each other. We're still learning each other, but we're pushing each other. We're competitive. We have that energy and that effort. And I think all that is starting to come together, which is why we're able to get this three-game winning streak that we have right now. And obviously understanding that, you know, we're right there to make playoffs. So everybody's kind of like just shifted their mindset to lock in and focus because we know every game at this point matters and we're going to have to end the season with a lot of wins in order for us to get into that eighth spot or even higher. So I think all of that is just coming together. And, you know, it's just been really exciting these last couple of games, just being able to just everybody be on the same page and, you know, get some wins finally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a time when you want it to come together. It's kind of like the beginning of the season. You're like, okay, you're figuring things out. And then you don't want that figuring out stage to linger on too long, but it hasn't. You guys are starting to figure it out at the time when you need to. And even with the injuries that you've had, the sicknesses, all that stuff, you've stayed very consistent, averaging 13 and a half points per game. And you mentioned the three game winning streak, but what is kind of that locker room vibe been like, right? Like you're kind of leading the way with NECA, who's an amazing vet to have. And so I feel like this year you may have stepped into more so of a leadership role, someone who's a constant, stable person that you guys are going to rely on. So what has that been like this season, kind of changing that role of yours? It's been an amazing experience, honestly. And I credit my teammates and my coaches because they really have given me the freedom and the confidence to be one of the leaders on this team. I know NECA talked about it. She's talked about it countless of times uh, with me and just the team in general about her not always being the the voice. You know, she's the foundation of the Sparks. And I think a lot of times we have relied on her to make this fancy speech or to have a kumbaya session in the locker room. And I think for me, that was really important coming back this year, knowing that I had to use my voice more. I had to talk more. I had to be a leader and I couldn't just lead by example. And someone else that also helped me with that is Jasmine Thomas. I mean, she's been a vet. She's been in this game for 13 years. And so just having her in my ear as well has been super helpful for me, just being free to do that. And then obviously having the coaches give me the confidence to speak my mind to say whatever I need to say in order to get our team going or to get myself going. So I really just credit my teammates and my coaches for giving me that confidence to step into this leadership role with using my voice. And that's so special to be in an environment where people are literally empowering you to take that next step. Cause it's not only, you know, for yourself at this point to be that leader and find that within yourself, but like for the team, they need that. They feed that. Can't always have NECA being that kumbaya. I feel like there's one on every team that you look to, to like bring that in yeah. and this and that, but I've had to be that person. It's tiring. Like you need yeah. some help. So I think, you know, it's really special that the Sparks have empowered you to kind of find that for this season. So kind of more into this landscape, have there been teams that have surprised you this year with how well they're doing? I think Chicago, Chicago, mm-hmm. I don't want to say surprising, like, oh my God, I thought they were going to be bad, but they're yeah. playing really well together, especially with the new pieces that they have as well. And then obviously with Wade leaving, they've just been really consistent in their play. And I really enjoy watching them, even playing against them, just how they compete. And they all, they have so many different personalities, but I feel like all of them mesh well together and you can see it on the court when they play. So well, that's one of the teams that surprised me. What's another team? Um, 
I don't want to say Minnesota because I feel like Minnesota last year, like they always kind of start out slow and then all of a sudden they just start winning games and they come out of nowhere. But yeah, like you guys too, Atlanta, there's been a lot of teams. You guys have, have uh, been a surprise as well, just from last year to this year, just the team chemistry and how competitive you guys are. Um, you guys push the pace. I think you guys are like number one in, in the league in pace. Um so make sure we push in that face. You guys be on it. And I, I think that's like the difference between last year and this year. And every, and you guys are also diverse too. Like you got a lot of versatility on that team. You guys are really hard to play against. You guys give it day in and day out. You don't care who you guys are playing. And I think that's what makes your team so special. But those are kind of like the three teams that I have watched. And I'm like, wow, you guys are like, compared to last year, it's different. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Chicago is the first one that comes to my mind, especially they had a start to the season. That was like four and one and they were the talk of the league. Everybody was like, what's going on? This and that. So I think they had a huge start. And then even with Wade leaving, the interim coaches come in and done a great job, I think, just kind of carrying that torch as to what it's going to be for years to come. So I think they've done a great job. And like you said, like they have a lot of different talents and personalities on that team and right. somehow it all meshes to work. And it's like, when you're doing the scout to guard them, you're like, okay, so you got Courtney, you got Blair Copper, you got Marina. Let's figure uh, out what you're going to do each person. You got a lot of weapons. And even Courtney Williams, like just to see her kind of shift into this PG position and yeah. how she's doing it so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool too. Like her not just being, you know, everybody knows her as the mid-range uh, guru, the shooter, and just, you know, being a knockdown shooter. But just for her to be playing PG and like really she's like one of the top players in the league right now in assists and you can see it through their play like everything goes through her. And Mm -hmm. I said they got they just got a whole bunch of weapons over there. No, I mean, I totally agree. We played them Friday. The scout is intense. (laughs) No matter matter what you're doing, you got to lock in. Yeah, you got to lock in. But so last night was the Commissioner's Cup game, Liberty mm-hmm. versus Aces. What are your thoughts on how that game went down? Uh, well, obviously, the first quarter, they were struggling to score. I think that was just the nerves. And then once yeah. the nerves kind of like settled in, I thought it was a great game, to be honest. Just, you know, the obviously the top two teams in the league just competing at a really high level. Um, and I know. Losing on your home floor is not always the best, but they got them again tomorrow. So I already know that it's going to be just as competitive as it was the first game. But I loved it. I enjoyed the the back and forth um, in the first half and in the second half. You know, New York. Talk about having so many weapons. I mean, you can pick your poison. Yeah. I mean, anybody at <laughs> any given time can go off. People that are starters and players that are coming off the bench, like, you got it all with them, and it really showed yesterday just the team chemistry that they have and how everyone can score. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited for them to play them again tomorrow and see, you know, the mm-hmm. result. But, you know, it was very – it was it was an enjoyable game. I liked it. It was a bit of a slow start. I was like, okay, like, we got so many weapons on each team. Everybody just kind of canceling right. each other out at that point. So I was waiting for the score to take off. And I think once it did, there was really no looking back. But for them to play again so quick, that's one thing that's really shocked me about the league is like you play teams four, four, three, four times, like you're playing them in a week. I know we played Connecticut at Connecticut, came back and played them at home. And I'm just like, 
this, this quick turnaround is is crazy. You in college, you play people maybe once, maybe twice, right. and it's like that's it. And so figuring out how to you know beat a team three times, or you know you're going back and forth in the series, it's it's so intense. And I think it's crazy because you really get to understand the matchups, the schemes, like yeah. everything of that sort. And that's new this year because last year we didn't have that, or even since I've been in the league, we didn't have that where we were playing teams like back to back or mm-hmm. a couple games in between and then you're playing them right again. Like we didn't have that. This is the first time we we're experiencing it. And honestly, we didn't even play the whole 12, like all 11 teams until after All-Star break. Like we literally just yeah. finished playing Washington and Indiana. We played Connecticut once and then New York. And then like those were the like three teams we hadn't played yet. So we were just sitting there like we had to play Dallas like four times already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Phoenix. I'm just like, OK, like we want to play somebody different. <laughs> like, give, give me something I, new. I'm tired like, of this. <laughs> give me something new, please. Yeah. But I also think kind of like cool at the same time, just being able to like get them right back if you play them back to back or like a game later. I think that's also pretty interesting. So we'll see if that continues. Um, but yeah, it definitely was different, something that I wasn't used to. And then I mean, as we head into end of the season, it's kind of end, end of the season awards times coming up. So I want to get your predictions on we got MVP. Defense player of the year, rookie of the year, sixth player, and most improved. So I, I need your predictions. All right. MVP, I think this is hard because... So AT, tough. It's so <laughs> tough because AT has been dominating all season and almost averaging a triple-double, which has never been done before. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, I, and especially doing what she's doing at her position. Yeah. It has to be acknowledged I think she's definitely in the MVP race. Asia Wilson, I mean, I don't know how many Western Conference players she didn't have this whole season, but she's been killing it. And then, you know, you got uh, Stewie. Yeah. Like, I think the top three in the running for MVP, I have no clue. I honestly think it's going to just come down to, like, how the season ends and, Mm -hmm. you know, playoffs and stuff, I really think it's going to depend on what's going on. I mean, obviously MVP is before that, but I really just depends on how the season ends, to be honest. Okay. Sixth man of the year, I would say Johannes. Okay. Yeah, she's been hooping. Yeah, she's been hooping. She's been coming in and making an impact like every single game. So I think Johannes will be sixth player of the year. Um, most improved obviously I'm gonna put myself in there I was gonna say you (laughs) I was gonna say you okay I don't want to be somebody that's like bragging but I really feel like this year put in a lot of work in the offseason so I feel like I deserve it I've been consistent in my play um I've proven it day in and day out on the offensive end and defensive end so god willing I'll win it but I also would say besides myself Either Alicia Gray or Satu Sabli. I think Alicia Gray has mm-hmm. taken a jump from last year to this year. And you can tell she's more comfortable. Um, she's being yeah. more consistent. So I would definitely give it to Alicia Gray and Satu, too. I mean, she hasn't been healthy, you know, since she's been in the league. But I think, you know, this year she's definitely proven herself to be most improved. So I would give it to either one of us. Um, okay. Defensive player of the year. I would give it to Brittany Sykes. Oh my gosh, she's a menace. 
<laughs> she's a menace. When I played against her a couple of weeks ago, like it's just hard to get around her. She's just so yeah. And then she's she can block shots. Like her, she's just so yeah. Her bounce is insane. It's insane. So I would give it to her for the player of the year, rookie of the year. Gotta go with Leah Boston. It's got to be Aaliyah. It's it's got to be Aaliyah. No one else really, and I mean Diamond Miller has been proving her case, but I just think Aaliyah Boston has just been dominating. I'm with you. I'm with you with most of your picks. I think Aaliyah for sure. She's been dominating. She's playing like 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 she's an all star, which she is, yeah, which is like crazy for a couple years now. Like everything's yeah. It's just easy for her. So I'm seriously I'm happy for her to be performing the way she is, but. Yeah, that's unanimous on that one. I don't think anyone's coming close. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Okay, so we talked about the league a little bit and the landscape, but I want to take it back to your early hoops life. Who put the ball in your hands? What? Why did you, why'd you choose basketball? Take me back to the start. So no one really put the ball in my hand. I kind of did it myself. I don't know how old I was. I think I was like maybe five years old. My grandmother used to have a hoop in her backyard and uh, my cousins who were much older than me, they were maybe like in their teenage years Mm -hmm. and I would watch them play basketball and they would never let me play because I was so young and they were boys too. So they didn't want me to get hurt. And obviously I was five years old, like like a five-year-old. Typical cousin behavior. (laughs) So one day I just went mom and I was like I want to play basketball and she was like are you sure because at the time I was kind of debating if I wanted to run track or uh, play basketball and so she would be which you would be a track star so I, yeah no, I, I gotcha. run a track school and that's just not for me <laughs> okay I, I, okay not for me but at the time when I was younger I was thinking about running track and so I told my mom's like hey I want to play basketball and luckily, one of her co-workers knew someone that had a team called GBO, Lady Rebels, mm-hmm. at this park that I like lived from like 10 minutes away, not even that far. And I went and I was terrible. Like I was so <laughs> bad. dribble. I couldn't shoot. It was really bad. But I know for some reason I enjoyed the game. And mm-hmm. from there, I just took off. I was practicing nonstop. My dad used to take me to the park almost every weekend and he would help me with my layups and my ball handling. Um, And then I kind of just like fell in love from there and just took off. Well, I love that. I feel like a lot of people have this story with the game where they're like, like, I touched it and I was amazing. And I went on and you were like, I wasn't very good, but you know, I I fell in love with the game. And I feel like that's more similar to me Mm -hmm. um, where I grew up. I did all these different sports and I was like, "Mm, that spells all right. Like, I, I like doing all this other stuff. And then, you know, you fall in love with the game for different reasons and this, that, and the third. So that's really special, I think. I can't imagine you not being a natural and good, though. I really wasn't good. Every time I got the ball, I would literally crunch down um, in like a little <laughs> ball, hold it, and I would get jump balls all the time. Oh, gosh. Because I was also like a point guard, too, and I was learning mm-hmm. how to do that. And so my coach would always yell at me and tell me that I got to get out of this phase of like always holding the ball every time I got it. And then one day I just stopped doing it and took off. It just took off. Amazing. So you're from LA. Did you grow up going to Sparks games at all or, you know, going to UCLA games? We ended up going in the end. Was there any type of dream to create the pipeline that you ended up taking? So I did go to Sparks games. Mm-hmm. When I joined the team, we used to go and, and watch a couple of games throughout the summer every year and I loved it. I was watching Lisa Leslie, mm-hmm. 
And I just loved her game. I didn't really think about, you know, players at the time because I'm like five, six, seven years old. So I'm not really thinking about. But I know Lisa Leslie, you know, she's the heart of the Sparks and at the time. And I just enjoyed watching her play. And I told myself, I was like, I want to play on Staples Center Court. This is at the time with Staples Center. I want to play on Staples Center Court. I want to play for the Sparks. Mm -hmm. And 20 some years later, here I am playing for L.A. Here we are. But I've honestly. I was never a UCLA fan. I was always a SC fan. I grew up an SC fan. I wanted to go to USC. And obviously all that changed once I started getting recruited. But I was a I was a Trojan at heart when I was growing up. Wow. Okay, we're gonna need to dive back into that later. <laughs> that that'll definitely be coming back up. That's crazy. But so in LA, you went to Winward and played for Vanessa Nygaard. And what was it like playing under a coach who's had so much experience at a lot of different levels? She played collegiately, she played in the league, she coached USA basketball, all these different things. How much of an influence did she have on your basketball career? She was a great influence for me. She was my high school coach, uh, my junior and senior year. And fun fact, the assistant coach now, Steve Smith on our team, he was my high school coach my freshman and sophomore year. So, oh, that's yeah. wow. Full circle. Okay. Full circle moment. But when she became the head coach there, I mean, it was just more of like a mentor relationship. She guided me. She told me like the ins and outs of college, what to do, what not to do. And then just what it takes to get to the next level. And just the stories that she would tell me when she was in the league and even in college at Stanford, just all the memories that she had and what she holds on to the most and just having that knowledge and someone that I can always talk to about basketball and just help me with that. uh, I really appreciated it a lot. And even with Steve Smith, you know, he was at the time, I think with the sparks and also coaching with Connecticut too. So I just had so much knowledge and guidance around me that it kind of helped my trajectory in my high school career to get to where I want to go and understanding that, there was a lot of sacrifice that I had to do that I didn't quite understand getting into high school until talking to them and helping me guide me in that and understanding that if I wanted to get to the pros, like there was things that I had to do extra. They pushed me super hard on and off the court. So it was just really nice to have, you know, coaches like that really in my corner and helping me and supporting me to get to the next level. I mean, for sure. It's really, it's really all about the people that surround you is how far you're going to get. Um, the people who keep you grounded. And I think for me, I also had a very influential high school coach and that played dividends in terms of like how I viewed the college recruiting process, AAU tournaments, all these different things, how to change your mindset as a high school to prepare to be a college athlete. And I mean, you had an amazing high school career. You were number two point guard, top 10 recruit. When did you realize that you could play at the collegiate level? Probably not till my sophomore year. I thought freshman year was hard, to be Mm -hmm. honest. I was dealing with a lot of adversity just because it was like new for me. Um, And I didn't really like it, to be honest. So I didn't even know if I was like, oh, my God, can I even go to college and and want to like in college? Um, And then when I got to my sophomore year, it kind of got easier for me just because, you know, you got adjusted to high school playing from middle school basketball, which is nothing big jump big jump <laughs> it's a complete <laughs> big jump so yeah. once I got like to my sophomore year it kind of started getting a little bit 
easier and easier. And I was figuring out what worked for me, things that I needed to improve on. And then that's when I started getting a lot of uh, recruits, uh, recruitment from colleges. And at that point, I was like, okay, like I can definitely do this. It's just all about choosing the right school uh, for me. Okay. And so moving into that, we said grew up USC, Trojan at heart, and you ended up choosing UCLA. So how did it come down to those two schools or kind of how did you wean down from the large pool that was recruiting you into your official visit time? So when I first started getting recruited, I was like, I want to go to USC because at the time, Michael Cooper was the head coach and I really liked Michael Cooper. And so I went on an unofficial visit and he basically was like, we're going to offer you, do you want to come here? And I was like, yes, like I want to come here. And my mom Mm -hmm. had to stop me and she was like, hold on. This is your first college that you visited. Slow your roll. (laughs) Slow down because your mind in like two weeks mm-hmm. so I was like no mom I really do want to go here like I think I this is the school for me and I think maybe like two weeks later Michael Cooper got fired and I was like oh wow like that is crazy and my mom was like see what happens when you just wait and you're patient mm-hmm. and UCLA was still not on my radar I was like I'm not going to UCLA like I'm a USC girl like I'm not going there and uh, my best friend, Rase Caldwell, she had committed to UCLA. Mm-hmm. And I knew at the time, like, I'm definitely not going there now because she was also a point guard. And so she okay. was like, hey, came to UCLA together and play. Like, this is always something that we talked about. And I was like, okay, I'll give UCLA a chance. So then UCLA started recruiting me. I started talking to them on the phone. And honestly, mm-hmm. like, I've just fell in love with the coaches and then. And I went to an unofficial visit there and I fell in love with the campus. I was like, wow, like, I can't believe I was trying to block my own blessing. And then from there, it was between Tennessee and UCLA. And I really love the coaching staff over there at the time at Tennessee. And Tennessee was my number one choice, honestly. I wanted to go there, just Mm -hmm. all the history that they had. And then one day after my... Junior year, we lost in states. We lost at the state championship to uh, Bishop O'Dowd. And uh-huh. the first team to hit me up after that was UCLA. And they asked me, how was I doing? Did I need anything? And this was right during like March Madness. So they're pretty busy in the tournament. Yeah. And yeah, they contacted me and they asked me if you know everything was okay, if I wanted to talk about it. They talked about the game. And then from there, I was just like, I have to go here. Because yeah. they clearly cared about me more than just a basketball player. They cared about me as a person. And that's something that I was very intentional about in my recruiting process and where I wanted to go. Because mm-hmm. anywhere I go is going to have to be my second home. And I wanted to make sure that I was well taken care of. And so that was just one of the reasons why I decided to commit to UCLA. Besides playing with my best friend, just having coaching staffs that truly cared about me and then being close to home where my family and friends can come. It was a lot of reasons why I wanted to go to UCLA. I want to keep rambling on, but that was <laughs> the deciding factor of why I decided to choose UCLA. I love that so much. I know UCLA recruited me as well, but they're amazing people there. Truly mm-hmm. like top to bottom, the entire staff, they're just good people, like genuine. I know even when I didn't end up going there, I talked to Corey all the time. Like she just texts me. She's like, how are you? Like, how are things going? Like, 
She loves to talk. She told me, congrats on graduating. She wants to be on the pod. So I'm sure she'll listen to this episode in your office. But UCLA is amazing. And you really Mm -hmm. get the best of both worlds. You get the academics, the people, you get basketball, all those different things. And so I think also a lot of people don't take into account like your life outside of basketball when it comes into like making that decision. When in all reality, like it's the people that you're surrounded by are heavily going to impact the type of experience that you're going to have at school. And so, you know, if you don't have the best experience with your teammates, with your coaches, you're not going to enjoy your time. Like you're not going to want to go to practice, spend hours on end in the gym, hours in film, in weight room, whatever. Right. It's a lot of time that you're going to have to spend with these people. Right. Exactly. I also thought it would be a culture shock for me too. Like I'm from yeah. LA cities <laughs> and then going to Tennessee, I knew it would be a complete 180 and I'm yeah, like Rocky Top is different from LA for sure. I'm like I don't know <laughs> if I could really handle that as an 18 year old going into living in a different state for four years. Like I don't think I could I could do that. So uh, that was another reason I was like, let me stay home where I'm comfortable and I have my friends, <laughs> my family. And if anything goes wrong, or even if this turns out to not be a great experience, at least I have somewhere that I can go to and like decompress when there's things that yeah. are. And that's exactly what happened to my freshman year. Just a lot of adversity. Mm -hmm. But I was able to get through it because I had people there that I could just drive 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes and be at my house and be okay. And I wouldn't have had that if I went to Tennessee or elsewhere. So that was another reason why I wanted to stay home. Yeah, I get that. I went to school an hour away from my house as well. When things get tough, like we had COVID happen. Like I could just go home whenever you need something, you can go home. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't want to go home every weekend. I'm in school. I'm like, mom, I know I'm an hour away. Relax. I'm fine. But like, there's just a balance strike. Yeah. I was like that my freshman and sophomore year, I was always going home. Not every weekend, but like any chance that I could take to go home, I went home. Mm -hmm. And then right when I moved off the campus and I got my own spot, my junior year, I was like, mom, I'm not coming home. Even though I'm like 10, 15 minutes (laughs) coming home this weekend I'm like oh I'm not coming home like I'll see you at the game and then that was that but yeah my first two years in college I was like I need to go home I need to go home and then when I got older I was like yeah I don't have to go home like I'm just gonna stay I'm cooling I'm good but so diving into your freshman year a little bit you get Mm -hmm. to UCLA your first game you had a double double which is Kind of unheard of, honestly, for a freshman in the pack, which is so tough. But, you know, there's definitely growing pains. We talked about the middle school to high school jump, but high school to college is even more. You get there. Everybody's like McDonald's All-Americans, Players of the Year, this, that, and the third. And so what was that adjustment period like for you going from senior in high school to a freshman in college? And I believe you guys had the top recruiting class at that time with Yumo, Rase, Kelly, all those different amazing players. It was a mess, Haley. Honestly, <laughs> mess. We we had the number one schedule in the country. Yeah, I'm talking. We played UConn, North Carolina, Nebraska at the time. They were good. Mm-hmm. We played Texas. We were playing. I, I don't know if we played Tennessee. I'm not sure. Y'all were playing cream of the crop. We we're playing the cream wow. of the crop. And when I tell you, it was we had lost like so many games. Even in like the preseason, oh I think we only won maybe like two games in preseason. And then when we got to the <laughs> Pac-12 season, it was even worse. I was like, yo, this is not 
what I expected college to be. This is not what I had in mind. Yeah. And it was also hard just because I I came in and became the starting point guard. And I'm trying to balance learning a new system, learning the flow and the pace of the game, learning Mm -hmm. my teammates, trying to adjust to college life. It was the worst. I was like so close to transferring. Honestly, like me, Coach Corey will even tell you if me and her, like we didn't get along. I wouldn't say we didn't get along, but we quite didn't see like eye to eye. We kind of like butted heads a lot. And I was just not having a great experience. And like I said, we were losing. We didn't even get the tournament. We wound up going to the WNIT. But yeah, I did not like it. I was like so close to transferring. It was just too hard for me at first. Mm -hmm. And then I just, my mom talked me into staying and it winded up being one of the best experiences that I've had. But yeah, freshman year was not the greatest. I did not enjoy it at all. No, I feel you. Freshman year is so hard. And especially like when you come into a role where you're starting from the jump, that learning that new system is so insane. I know when I pulled up to Stanford my freshman summer, Tara's like, okay, Haley, by next by next week, you need to know one through four. Woman, what? Like, be so for real right now. (laughs) Not on campus. Classes. I need to make friends. I need to do a lot of things. Where's the dining hall? Like, there's a lot of things going on. And so I think, especially for the situation you're in, number one recruiting class, there's a lot of pressures. You're playing all the best teams imaginable. Then you get to the pack, and then there's all these other amazing teams. I think it's just, it's a lot to take in. You guys didn't make the tournament, but you won the NIT, which is still big, and you're a Pac-12 freshman of the year. And so I feel like, you know, your mom said stay. Moms are right all the time, which is so annoying. I'm like, okay, whatever. We get it. (laughs) And so you come back your sophomore year. You guys make it to the Sweet 16, sophomore and junior year. So what things kind of changed for you heading into those next two seasons? I think the summer workouts, honestly, that was probably the first summer. Freshman year was, a. I wouldn't say it was easy, but I don't think the coaches really pushed us as much as they did the next two years that we had. Um, And I think that was just because pretty much everyone was coming back except for maybe like one or two players. And so we were trying to build our chemistry. And I think that's why, honestly, I'm just going to tell you, we didn't even want to go to the WNIT. Like mm-hmm. one side we lost in Pac-12 to you guys, actually, to Stanford. We were like, we're not going to the WNIT. Like, yeah, it's done. Yeah, but we were, we winded up going and winning. And I think being in that tournament, kind of like, we kind of saw like the potential of our team. And I think going into that summer, we just really was like working day in and day out. If there was workouts that we had to do, we would always do extra. Yeah. Like we knew just the potential that we had that we were going to be really good. And then that kind of like shifted over into season. And even though we got to Sweet 16 and lost, like we were just really proud of ourselves for making that huge jump from not mm-hmm. even being into the tournament to going into the Sweet 16 which was something that hadn't been done in a minute at UCLA. So it was kind of just the summer workouts that kind of really pushed us. And we all understood the potential that we had to be a great team. The summer workouts really set the tone for the season, I feel like. And so if you guys are setting the tone, like, we're going to stay extra. We're going to do this, that, and third. We're going to be in that gym sweating day in and day out. It really sets the tone for what type of season you guys are going to have. And then your senior year, you guys end up going to the Elite Eight. And I know... I went, before I came into Stanford, 
I went to the game when you guys played at Stanford. And y'all clapped them by like 30. And I was sitting in Wait, the stands. At, at UCLA or at Stanford? At Stanford. At- y'all, I don't know if it was your junior or senior it was year. My junior, it was my junior year because that was the only time we beat Stanford at Stanford was my junior year. When I tell you, I was sitting in the sands like, oh, my God. I was like, I think at that point in time, I had just like cut UCLA out. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know Corey's looking at me up in these stands. Oh. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, what have I done? I was like, I was about to text Corey and be like, so, you know, let's talk things through again. <laughs> but you guys really put UCLA back on the map, right? Going from NIT to Sweet 16 to Elite Eight runs, this and third. You ended up being second in scoring, first in assists. You improved your three-point shot from 13% to 40%, which is insane. So, you know, how did all of that prepare you moving into your WNBA career? Just the work ethic that I had in those those three years from after my freshman year, just understanding there was a potential, like obviously we talked about getting to the pros and what it would look like to get there and the steps that I needed to take. And honestly, it was just my work ethic, always wanting to do more mm-hmm. than everyone else. I mean, I even remember sometimes in when we would have practices or even summer workouts, like I always had to run further. Like if we had to run a suicide or a double down and back, I always had to run further than everyone else. And that was something that Coach Corey instilled in me is that I always had to do more. I always had to show more because obviously it starts with me. And if I can't push myself to be the best that I can, then no one else is going to do that. And so she just kind of like really instilled like my work ethic. And also uh, Jenny Huth is now at Kentucky. She was my assistant coach at UCLA. And she was another key piece um, to helping me develop my game and constantly being in the gym with her and watching film and looking at synergy clips. She, Mm -hmm. those two were like always on me about wanting to do more. And if I wanted to get to the next level, that this was what it would take. So just having coaches like that, again, people in my corner that always want me to to be successful and then understanding that I had to have a work ethic that was top tier and that I had to push if I wanted to get to the next level. So it was just that that work ethic that I had and always wanted to be my best. Yeah, I mean, that's something special to have. Not everybody has that. And I think as you get into the college level, people who are amazing in high school, kind of some people wean out, right? Because they don't keep that same work ethic that you had to have. And so even as now you get to the pros, right? It's like so many people from your draft class, my draft class are no longer in the league already. And it's crazy because you just have to have that level of work ethic. And so to have coaches that are going to be on you every day, I'm sure in the moment, like from my experience, it's like, ugh, this is horrible. Like if you have to run longer at sprints and you're watching film and some film sessions be brutal. Like I'm just like, am I watching myself? Because what are you doing out there, Haley? Like there's definitely a lot of times like that. Your fifth overall pick to Seattle. What was that draft process like heading into, you know, where am I going to go? I know there's, I had a lot of nerves around it, but what was that process like? Did you know you're going to go to Seattle? I didn't know. I was nervous. There was talk and potential of going there, but there was like other teams that called. I had a, I had a call with New York and Mm -hmm. talked to them for a little bit. And there was another team I can't remember, but 
I had no clue where I was going. I just knew that Seattle was like the potential team that could draft me. And so during that whole process, I was just sitting there trying not to think about it because yeah. I didn't get my hopes up to be like, hey, like I'm going to play on Seattle and then that doesn't happen. So I was just trying to stay and live in the moment. When uh, they came out there and announced my name, like my heart dropped. I was like, wow, I really am going to Seattle. And at the time, you know, Super, Jewel Lloyd, Brianna Stewart, and just playing, yeah. you know, with them. At the time, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a, a great chance to like be surrounded by great, phenomenal players and just being able to learn from them and, and also my other team. <laughs> that was a special moment for me. And then having my family there to celebrate, it was really nice. And I'm glad that it was in New York too, because my mom is from New York. And so okay. she her family there as well in the background uh, watching me get drafted. So that was nice too, just to have, you know, um, my mom's side of the family there to experience it too, because they rarely get to see me play. So just for them to be there, it was an amazing night, like a night that I will always remember and one of my top memories that I've had thus far. That's so special, especially to have like all your family there. I know getting to share that moment with them. I think I blacked out when my name was called, but then like I hugged my mom and I was like, oh, okay, I'm here right now. Like it's it's a really surreal moment when you hear your name yeah. called. And the moment doesn't really feel like your life is changing. And then all of a sudden you're moving, you're going to training camp, all these different things. And it's a very quick process. And I mean, you mentioned like you get to play with people like Sue, Jewel, Brianna, the list goes on. So how was that training camp and how we're having those vets helping you through that? Because those are kind of iconic people in our game right now. I was lost. I'm not even going to hold I was <laughs> I was too. I was too. I was so lost just trying to, again, being in a position where I had to learn a new system, learn new teammates. But this time I'm in a different role of being a backup point guard, which is something that I never experienced. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard for me, honestly, trying to fit into that role, but also understanding that I'm playing behind one of, if not the best point guard in the league. And mm -hmm. so for me to try and, and navigate through that as a rookie, it was really hard for me. But somebody that really like helped me through it was Alicia Clark. Mm -hmm. And I really got to learn from her and just, you know, her journey was a lot different than mine. And just to see how hard she worked and she was always on me about stuff, about staying extra, doing more and being even in the game, locking in on schemes. Cause there's so, you know, like there's so many different schemes yeah. with the game. You're not like in college, you're guarding everybody the same, but when yeah. you get league, there's one player you might be guarding different. There's one, mm -hmm. another player that you might be guarding different. And so I had to figure all that out and learn how to come into a role, come off the bench and be a spark. That was something that I struggled with. I was very mm -hmm. inconsistent in that. And uh, AC was like one of those people that just kind of like helped me throughout. And also Noelle Quinn, who's now the head coach there. She was also like a big mentor for me and we had that brewing connection. So she was always on top of me too. And so those two teammates of mine that I had, Learning from them and watching what they do was extremely valuable to me and my development in this league. It's an adjustment coming from UCLA or even myself. You know, you come from a place and it's like everything runs through you. And so right. that's still something I'm trying to figure out now is 
how do I make an impact in the game? But most importantly, have that consistent impact because it's hard. And the league is so talented. And you talk about the schemes. Oh my God, what? How am I doing something different on every single person? And and you have to remember, and it's like, okay, Haley, Mm -hmm. we'll start with guarding the ball. Because I'm thinking scheme, scheme, scheme. And then all of a sudden I'm five feet off my person. And I'm like, I'm just trying trying to get through the screen correctly. I mean, you touched on it very well. It's an adjustment coming, the work ethic, finding those people that are going to hold you accountable. I think it's a big adjustment that a lot of people, it's hard to understand if you're not going through it. And it's not just like the physical toll that it takes on you because God, training camp was exhausting. But like the mental toll of having to, just the exhaustion, you're pushing through fatigue all the time of trying to keep up while still getting ahead and not falling behind. It's a lot going on. But, you know, your rookie season, you guys won, which is amazing. And I just had Natasha Howard on. She talked about that being her favorite championship of her three rings that she has. So what was so special about that 2018 run that you guys had? I came into a team that kind of already had a flow and a chemistry about them. And so when I came in, it was just trying to figure out how I can fit in that role and the team that already had this chemistry And next thing I know, we just started winning all these games. And I'm like, oh, my God, we are really good. And (laughs) I I didn't even know we were going to be that good. And so we just went on this winning streak of winning all these games. I'm like, wow, like there's potential for us to really win. And then once we kind of got towards the end of season going into playoffs, that's when I started to find like my stride and like my Mm -hmm. role and what I'm comfortable doing. And what also what the team needs for me. And I think once we got to playoffs playing Phoenix, that was, I mean, by far one of the best, I think, best playoff series in the history of the W, just because it was so much back and forth. And obviously mm-hmm. five with, with Sue going crazy and witnessing yeah. that. And I was like, that's like something I will never forget just how, she was just locked in on that moment and witnessing that mm-hmm. in person was crazy. And then after that, it was kind of like, wow, we only have one more series and then it's over. And luckily we blew out Washington, who was a really great team at the time. But I think we were just so in tune with each other and our chemistry and knowing everyone on that team knew their role, knew their job, did their job. And I think that's why we were so successful that season to win a championship. When you have players that buy into their role to the full extent, it's so hard to stop because you have an amazing starting five. And then all of a sudden you got you coming off the bench, just spark and going crazy. And you just have all these other weapons. It's it's hard to guard and to have a team that has so much chemistry. It's like y'all know where each other are without even looking. You just understand where people like to play, all these different things, which makes it so easy. And I know I watched that series. That series was freaking lit. That Phoenix one. I was, my parent, my family and I, we were sitting on the couch, like yelling at the TV, watching Sue go absolutely wild. Yeah. Seeing it in person was like, you just couldn't believe it. Like yeah. watching like that in, in person and just getting the chills. Like I remember just sitting on the bench, like, wow, this, this woman is, is insane. Just yeah. coming from breaking her nose the previous game <laughs> and then coming in and just like, totally dominating and it was amazing to watch and even just watching DT too and her having a great night too and sending it to Mm -hmm. overtime it was just so much that was going through my mind sitting on the bench and watching the game but overall it was like an amazing it it, it was an amazing atmosphere and environment to be in yeah so I 
that we won that game. Yeah, I mean, it ended up in a ring. So yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. And so after you win your rookie year, you play overseas in Poland and Turkey. So I'm sure that's quite the adjustment going from a game like Phoenix and then you win the championship and now here you are overseas, abroad. What was that adjustment like playing overseas? I know there might be language barriers, all these different things, and now you're playing a lot more minutes. Um, so what was that adjustment like for you? Yeah, so immediately like a week after the NBA season was over, like I had to go straight to Poland. Mm-hmm. That was like such a culture shock for me. I played in Krakow, Bisla Compact. That was the name of the team. And okay. it was such a culture shock. Soon as I stepped off the plane, like I just felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous. And I'm not going to lie. I am a homebody. So I like to be at home. I like to be comfortable where I'm at. And as soon as I got there, I'm like, oh, my God, like I can't wait till this is over. <laughs> where am I? I like seven months left. I'm like, oh my God, I want to go home so bad. And the Mm -hmm. language barrier was really hard. I couldn't understand anything that they were saying. They couldn't understand me. Luckily, the team that I had, there was girls from all over. There was Mm -hmm. some girls from Spain. There was one that was from Germany. There was one that was from Slovenia. So there was like all types of players and everyone spoke English. So it was nice to be around a team that could, you know, speak English. And yeah. I have Mercedes Russell as my teammate. So we were coming together okay. from battle, but we lived like the opposite sides of each other. We were like living like 30 minutes away from each other on yes. oh, wow. so on our days off. I'm like, sorry, Sadie's like, I'm not trying to come drive 30 minutes to see you. Like as much as yeah. I do, I'm not going to do that and vice versa. So it was just really hard going to grocery stores. Like no one would help me. I would try to ask for help in English. Like no one would understand what I was saying. You're one of those people like pulling out Google Translate. It's just, it's just awkward. Google Translate was not translating it, it correctly. Yeah. So they couldn't understand what I was saying. It was just really hard. And I didn't really have a great experience in Poland. We were losing too. So that also didn't help. Our coach yeah. quit in the middle of the season. He like quit in the middle of the season. And so we had a coach at the time who only coached like 15 new boys. So he didn't oh, okay. have experience in the professional field, let alone on the women's side. So we had to be coached by him. And it was just so tough. Like I remember the last game of the season we lost and I had my bags packed. I was like ready to go. I'm I, out. I'm like, <laughs> I'm out. I want to leave the next day if possible. It was just a really tough experience. But when I went to Turkey the following year or a couple of years after, I had a better experience. I think it really just depends on where you go. I mean, I didn't know that Poland was not going to be the best experience, but it really does. Like going overseas for your first year really does make or break your experience overseas and whether you want mm-hmm. to go or not. And I knew I was like, I don't want to go overseas anymore. Like, that was it. That's all I wanted to do. And then I was like, you know, let me give it another try. So I've been to Turkey and I've been to Hungary and those really good places that I enjoyed. So I think it just depends on your experience. But my first year was not great at all. Yeah, I've heard it's just every like anywhere you go, you can have a completely different experience. I've heard great things about Turkey, actually. Like everybody's like, oh, Turkey is so fun. Like a lot of people speak English. It's kind of Americanized in a way. So I've heard amazing things, but I feel like less and less people every year decide to go overseas. 
And there's a lot more options to play here in the U.S. now with Athletes Unlimited. And then I know Brianna, Stewie, and uh, Nathisa are coming out with their own league. So what do you think about the different options that people are now getting to have? Just because looking at our offseason, it is so long. And how training camp went for me, I'm going to need to find a, find a way to stay in shape. So, I mean, what do you think about all these different new options to help people continue to play, but maybe here in the States, they don't have to travel? I think it's a great opportunity. I played at AU last year and I absolutely loved it. I love the balance between after season, there's a time frame where I can rest and yeah. recover and then train. And then the following year, like early January, I'm going right into a league mm-hmm. and I can play about a month or two, a month and a half, and then be ready for training camp and still have time in between to rest. And then train again. And I think that's a great thing for us constantly playing year round, even in college. Like, you know, you're constantly doing something year round. There's never any time where you take a good enough time off to just rest. And that was something that was really beneficial for me was being able to take last year off and be like, you know what, let me just stay and play AU. I think that was really helpful for me just to get the rest that I needed to get the proper training that I needed, the resources that I had that I wouldn't have overseas. And then being still being able to play in a competitive league for a certain amount of time. I think it's great to have opportunities like that because a lot of people are starting not to want to go overseas um, anymore, just because it takes so much toll on your body. And I know I'm a person that, you know, I want to be able to use as much rest as I can and train as much as I can. I can't do that if I'm overseas. So I think it's just great that we're having all these opportunities come about and we're able to make decisions that are helpful for ourselves. Like you said, it's just a variety of reasons. It really helps people figuring out what training schedule works best for them. I know some people who are like, I love playing overseas, playing year round, and others are like, I need a break. I'm exhausted. And so I think the options here allow people to find what's best for them to succeed at the highest level, which it sounds like you figured out what works best. You get to rest, train, still play, a little bit more rest, this and that. So I think it just gives people more options. Going to Turkey, I took the first half of season off and mm-hmm. I stayed and rested and recovered and trained. And then the beginning of January, I had left to go to, to Turkey which yeah. I thought also kind of helpful for me too, just to have that break right after WNBA season and then playing for like four or five months, but then going right into training camp. So I was like, I got to figure out a balance. Yeah. I think like, like we talked about having the opportunities of AU and the, it's unrivaled, right? The, the mm-hmm. league that they're, I think that's a great opportunity as well, just to have that balance. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, so moving back into WNBA a little bit, So you win your rookie season. That's how you want your rookie season to go. You win. And then 2019, you come back. Sue had to get surgery. So now you're the starting PG. Stewie's also out. So how did the dynamic change? I mean, for yourself personally, going from back up and then back into a starting role, but just as a team, losing Stewie and Sue, who are cornerstones of Seattle at that time, how did that training camp kind of come together for you guys to create the chemistry that you needed moving into that season? Well, we knew we had lost Stewie before training camp started. Mm -hmm. And when training camp started, Sue was a part of training camp. And I think I came in with the same mindset of, you know, like I'm going to have the same role as last year. You're going to have to come in and be a spark. And then I think like, I don't know if it was kind of towards the beginning of summer 
uh, training camp or like the midway that we found out that Sue wasn't going to be, she was going to be getting surgery and that, you know, she would be out for a certain amount of time. And so kind of then I had to shift my mind back into, all right, now I have to be one of the leaders for this team because, you know, now the starting role and this is going to be completely different than what I've experienced in my last season. But I think going overseas kind of helped me get back into that starting point guard and leadership role. Because when I obviously when I went to Poland to play, I was put back into a starting role and I had to play a lot of minutes. I had to be a leader. So that kind of like helped me into my second season of just getting back to what I was used to at UCLA. And then obviously all of us together, we we came together and knew that a lot of people were going to count us out automatically because Stu and Stewie were out. So we kind of just had that mentality of we're still going to play hard. We're still going to be a team that can compete. And that's what we did. And a lot of people counted us out. Everybody thought we weren't going to be playoffs and we winded up making playoffs and I just had a really great year that year it was so much fun being around my teammates and we all vibe and chilled together we were hanging out constantly always doing stuff off the court and I think that's what helped us that year just because we had chemistry off on and off the court and that just showed with us and our fight and how we weren't going to let all these things that were surrounding us about how we weren't going to be good and just having that next man up mentality and wanting to compete was something that we all had in common. And that definitely helped us. Yeah. I mean, you touched on, you had an amazing year. You finished second assist, first in steals, touching on how chemistry on the court, a lot comes from that off the court relationship that you guys have. Just that bond, that understanding, that trust, I think really helps moving onto the court. And it's so interesting to have like your reigning champs come in with an underdog mentality. Like, you know, you guys really had so much talent on the bench behind Stewie and Sue that can come in and do these amazing things and excel on the court now given a new role, which I think is really special. And you guys really show the league, like, we still making the playoffs. We still doing this. It's not going to be like a walkover game coming to Seattle. Y'all have to come and bring your A game. But I mean, so you have this amazing year in 2019 and then you follow it up in the bubble season, which I know brought a lot of challenges for everybody dealing with different things going on in that bubble. But you guys come in 2020, Sue is back. And so then you move into this backup role, but it's different from your rookie year. Now you're averaging more points. You've gotten your flow. You've gotten your rhythm. It seems like you've kind of started to figure out just your role, what you can really bring to the league. So what was that experience like coming into that backup role again? But it seemed like you had a different understanding of the game where you have such an impact on this team where second ring, sweet Vegas in the finals, more minutes, more points, everything has just gotten better. So what was that year like in the bubble for you? I think just at that point, I kind of was familiar with the team and the role Mm -hmm. that I had. And even that year was different because there were some games or at least half the games I started when Sue would rest. Yeah. Kind of like in and out, in and out, in and out. And even that was hard within itself, trying to figure out and navigate that. But I think at that time, I knew what my role would be. I would either be starting or I would be coming off the bench. And so I kind of figured that out and just knowing that I had to be confident in that role. And and that's something that, you know, I didn't really have like the first couple of years in the league was that confidence. I was lacking that confidence. And then going into the bubble, it was kind of like, okay, I know what to expect. I know what they expect of me. 
I'm familiar with being in the league now and the pace and understanding what we're looking for and what we are as a team. And I kind of just stuck with that in every single game. I was like, what does the team need from me? What can I do, whether that's starting or coming off the bench? And just being a little bit more aggressive in that role. So that was just kind of the mentality that I had going into the bubble, understanding that at any given moment, I could be starting, I could be coming off the bench, but my job is the same. Like, I can't let that waiver. I have to be consistent in that. And so that was just the mentality that I had. Yeah, I mean, it definitely showed on the court and just that confidence that you played with. And I feel like coming in and out all the time is also, it's hard to catch the rhythm of the game. And so I think that's just something that you handled very well and it was very apparent. Something else exciting in 2020 was you became a Jordan brand athlete, which is dope. And you recently had your PEs come out. So what has that been like? Have you, did you ever think you were going to get your own shoe? I feel like PEs are super exciting. So what has that been like getting your own PE and being a Jordan athlete? I love being a Jordan athlete. Just the family atmosphere that we have. Mm -hmm. I love that all of us are different in the way we play and our personalities and our style but we all represent excellence and greatness mm-hmm. of my sport. And that's what I love about it. And when we all come together, it's like we're one big family. And that's what I really love about being a part of this brand. And I wasn't expecting to have any PEs when I first signed. But over the years, you know, they, they gave me a chance to have a couple of PEs. And so it's just really exciting to be creative on that side and that aspect of trying to put your vision and your ideas onto a shoe. I think that's a great experience and it allows me to be creative and come up with new ideas of what I want to do and what I want to put up on a shoe. So it's been pretty awesome that Jordan has given us that opportunity and that ability to be creative in that way and being able to put it on a shoe and, and play. It's so cool to see everybody come out with PEs and all these different things, just showing like more of who you are off the court, what things are important to you and showing that in the creative space of basketball. I think tying those two things is really special. And I think it just talked about the coverage that has grown with women's sports, especially women's basketball in the past few years, just like, you know, companies pouring into women's basketball on the college level, but especially on the WNBA level, I feel like so many more big brands like want to work with us athletes, want to show, want to get to know us for who we are off the court as well. And so what are some of the ways that you've seen coverage in your time in the WNBA just get better over the years you've been playing? I think just the marketing, to be honest, I, I think we're getting a lot more opportunities to be on TV which is really helpful for us. And when you put us on TV, you see that people are watching. The viewership goes up every single year just because we're able to be on a platform where everyone can see us. And I think that's super important. And that has changed over the last couple of years that I've been in the league, just more viewership and WNBA doing a great job of marketing the team. And even the team's doing a better job of marketing players and putting us out there and giving us opportunities that are not necessarily related to basketball. And you see mm-hmm. a lot of people with beauty products or companies that deal with certain type of water or certain type of yeah. products. We're getting opportunities to do that and put our faces out there. And I think that's what has changed over the years. And it's such an amazing thing. And that's another thing why I love Jordan Brand is just because they're they're so involved with the women's side mm-hmm. and wanting to change it and wanting to shift it and be a part of that women empowerment. And that's another another big thing of being a part of the Jordan brand is that they always try to put us on the forefront and give us opportunities to explore things that 
we didn't have opportunities to explore in the last recent years. I mean, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I think just the coverage, more national TV games pouring into what female athletes can bring to this table of endorsements and marketing, all these different things. Like the age of social media is really at a peak right now of growing your brand and this and that. And I know one thing I love about your socials is your love of singing. And can I just tell you, you have a talent, a talent. Did I stalk, did I stalk your videos? Maybe, maybe not, but you are amazing. And so when did singing really become a passion for you? And I know I have other friends who sing and do this and that, but it takes such courage to like post it on the internet. And so what finally got you to start posting and sharing this passion that you have? Once I got into the league, I was like, you know what? I got to start figuring out like, what can I do that's not basketball related that I could show Mm -hmm. to people? Because a lot of times people are like, well, we don't really know you. What do you like to do outside of basketball? And I'm like singing, but I'm like so shy. Like, mm-hmm. if you told me to sing right now, I would not do it. Like, yeah. people ask Don't me Don't worry, time, I, I won't put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> people ask me all the time, can you sing for us? And I'm, like, super shy about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting older now, I'm like, I understand that that's a part of me. That That is part of something that I want to be a part of my brand. So I have to put it out there. I didn't really get into music, really. I guess it's still kind of young. Middle school, that's when I joined my middle school choir okay. in seventh grade. And that's when I kind of got really into music. My dad actually used to be a part of a music group back in his heyday. Yeah, he had a music group and he traveled all over the country and the world touring. And so I kind of get my singing skills from him. So it wasn't until like middle school when I joined my choir that I really started to really love music and wanting to get more involved with that. I'm still trying to figure that out and navigate Cause it's so, it's so much work. I've been to, I went to a studio one time last year. I did a thing with a player's review with State Farm and I got to go into the studio and learn how to make a song. And that was, that took so much time. It took five hours and we didn't even finish the song. I didn't even get 20% done with the song because I had oh to figure out, start from scratch of figuring out a melody, figuring out the topic of the song that I wanted to be about, getting the vocals right trying to write a hook. Mm -hmm. It took five hours. Like, I don't know. I love the process, but this is a little bit too long to make one song. And obviously (laughs) I'm not not professional in that area, but it was kind of fun just to see the ins and outs and behind the scenes of what it takes to make a song. So I'm still trying to navigate that. uh, If I want to get into music for real, I know I do. I'm just trying to figure out like, at what point do I really want to start taking it seriously and be like, okay, let's get into the studio. You have all the talent in the world to do so. And I feel like that's so important. Like once you get to the league, it's completely different where now you have all this free time that's not up with school and homework and all this stuff. And so it's like figuring out who you're going to be outside of basketball nowadays. I mean, you're back in LA now, which is seems like the best place to be for the music scene. Going to studios, doing this and that, trying all these different things. We talked about the marketing, the endorsements, all these different things. And so you got to come, you signed with the Sparks in 2022. So homecoming, which is exciting. And now in this season, we talked about you guys knocking on the door of the playoffs. But I think one thing that's really special about the Sparks, we mentioned her earlier, is NECA. And She's been a staple in the league for so long now, but she's been with the Sparks her entire career. And so 
just talk about a little bit what it's like having a person like her. She's the president of the union. She's an amazing individual, just so intelligent. What is it like getting to have a vet like her? Well, I guess you're a vet now, but like, what is it? What is it like? (laughs) A baby vet, baby vet. So what is it like getting to, you know, be in an organization with NECA as that pillar? Man, NECA is um, an amazing human being. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, the best people that I have ever met and have the blessed to be able to know her. She has so much wisdom. Her and Shanae, honestly, both of them, those yeah. two together, I call them the wise Agumakes because they <laughs> always have some type of wisdom to give, no matter what situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. And with the wisdom, it always comes with grace. And Eka talks about that a lot, is just giving yourself grace, no matter the circumstances or what you're in. And just having a teammate like that is just like, you can't compare it to anything else. And she's the foundation of the spark. She's been here her whole career. And Mm -hmm. just being able to play with her these last two seasons, I absolutely love it. Just how caring of a teammate she is. She's always looking out for either the rookies, myself. She really pours into this organization and you can tell just by, you know, just being around her, being in the atmosphere and environment that she has created here. It's so loving. And I'm just really thankful to to know her and to be a part of her journey with the Sparks. And uh, like I said, she's just she's just so wise and everything that comes out of her mouth. You just like, oh, my God, you just like you just want to soak it up. It's just like, yes, more. Oh, yeah. You just soak <laughs> it all in. Yeah. She's just a, an amazing human being. Very phenomenal. And yeah, I'm like I said, I'm extremely blessed to be able to play with her and to know her. Neck is a special individual. And I think she definitely sets the culture in LA, but every room she steps into, it's just, she commands this respect and you know that she's wise and all these amazing things that come with her and Shanae as well. But I know they're Stanford royalty. Like when we're, yeah. when I was in Stanford, all you hear about is Neka, Shanae, they're amazing. And it's not just like within basketball, it's like any yeah. person you meet. And I'm like, oh, I'm on the basketball team. Oh my God, do you know Neka? Do you, have you met Shanae? Right. And I'm like, yes, I have. I was blessed too. But they're amazing. And I know you guys just have great people in LA. And one of the people I know very well is Zaya, who's having a great rookie mm-hmm. season. She's a combo guard. She's a one-two guard. She's an amazing score, all these different things. What have you really liked seeing from her so far in her rookie season? She is learning. And I, mm-hmm. I love that. And I appreciate that about Zaya is that she wants to learn. She wants to grow. She wants to help the team. She wants to be better. And, you know, we just tell her like, look, you just got to go out there and hoop and play like yourself. Like you're going to learn all this stuff is going to come as you play, but like, you just got to go out there and be yourself and hoop. And she's been doing that the last couple of games. She's been very aggressive. Her decision-making has been a lot better. Mm-hmm. And she's just been locked in and she's just having, she's so teachable. And you don't really get that from a lot of rookies or just, you know, people that are coming into the game so young. Like a lot of people are not teachable and she's teachable, coachable, and she's a great teammate. And, you know, she wants to give her best day in and day out and you can see it. And she's not afraid to use her voice. Even when we have huddles sometimes going into games, usually we'll rely on like Chanae or Jasmine or myself. She comes in, she steps in and she's not afraid to say what she wants to say. And we need somebody like that. We need somebody like Zion, a rookie who's not afraid to use her voice and then come in and be a spark. And she's just been doing a great job this year of learning and growing and also just being able to find herself 
be aggressive in her scoring and just when she's out there. So I'm extremely proud of Zaya, you know, in the course of this, these last couple of months of her just growing into the role that she's had and just embracing it. Zaya loves the game. And I think, you know, coming from a place like South Carolina, like you got to be coachable with Miss Dawn. And so she came in, she knows what it takes. And Zaya's always been amazing. We've been in the same class all our lives, always competing against each other. And so I love seeing, you know, everybody that you know so well, playing so well, competing at the highest level. But we're going to head into our final section here, which is rapid fire answers. It's called our vibe check. So okay. some guests are better than others with the rapid fire <laughs> portion. I have some faith in you. I think it's going to be great. Okay, okay. But we'll just start off hot. So here we go. Hopefully you watched our drafts and saw all of our fits for our uh, first question here. So who was best dressed at the draft? I'm going to say Zion. That's understandable. Okay. Best dressed in the league. Oh, that's hard. Um, a lot of competition. Can I give you? I have to give you one person. You can give me like your top few. Top few, I would say Arike. Mm-hmm. This is so hard. It's such a well dressed league. Top, like I feel like a lot of people don't give her enough credit, but Shatori Walker Kimbro can dress. I, ooh, she does. I, she dresses. I feel like she doesn't get enough credit. Like yeah. she's very underrated. So I'm I with her. And then the third, I'm just going to have to put myself in there. Also fire fits. Never miss. <laughs> never miss. Okay, what's your go-to karaoke song? Love by Music Soul Child. Oh my God. I have such an appreciation for him. And I feel like so many people don't. And it's He's amazing. one of my favorite. Yeah, he's one of my favorite artists. I listen to him all the time. And me my friend, because whenever, whenever someone asks me to sing, that's always the song I sing. And oh, then like, that's switch good. it up. Can you find another song? I'm like, no, that's a great song. So that's always my go-to. Wow. I knew this. I knew we were going to click. This is perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, artists you'd want to collab with. Is it is it Music Soul Child or is it someone else? It's actually her. She's, oh. yeah, she's my favorite like female artist. I love her. And so I listen, I listen to her music all the time too. I just love her melody. I love her vibe. And I feel like if I ever went into music, I think that would kind of be along the lines of how yeah. I would want my music to go. It's like her. Right. Your taste is immaculate. Okay. Um, what's the drill you never want to see on the practice plan? I personally don't like cutthroat. Ooh, it's stressful. <laughs> yeah. It's, too, it's just too much. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. Game winning shot or game winning block? Game winning shot for sure. Okay. And one or three pointer. Uh, um, I like an A1. I'm definitely an A1 person too. It, it just gets you so hyped. So hyped. I get more A1s than I hit threes. So I'm going to say A1s. Hey, twins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> toughest place to play in the W. Oh, I think personally Connecticut is really tough it's, to play. It's loud up in there. It's loud and they got some true fans up in there. And it's just always hard sure there, yeah. I'm with you. Okay. What's your go-to trash talk line? If you have one. I'm not a trash talker. I'm sorry to say. I don't ever. Okay. Really, yeah. It's okay. I'm not either. I just kind of play and I, you know, yeah. whatever comes, comes. Happens, happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, who's the biggest trash talker in the league? Cause I know we, we got some trash talkers. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody really beats DT, but. Mm, yeah. Guys DT. Uh, I, I would give it to, I would give it to Courtney Williams. Okay, yeah, Court, she she be talking. Her her and Marina both on that team. Yeah, Marina, Marina too, but I would give it to Court because I've seen Court like talk her stuff. Yeah. Okay. Hardest player to guard. 
Oh, man. Arike, I mean, I know she's not in the league right now, but Skylar Diggins was hard for me to guard. Yeah. And Kelsey Mitchell, too. Kelsey Mitchell is hard to guard. Ooh, she's always moving. Yeah, she's always moving. She's like an energizer bunny. She's just like always. And she has that like bounce and hop yeah. to her. So like you never know when you can stop for a break because she, she's just always moving. So I would have to give it to Kelsey Mitchell, too. That's facts. That's facts. Okay, uh, who has the best handles in the league? Best handles? I would say Chelsea Gray. Yeah, Chelsea Gray. Okay, biggest flopper. Could be controversial, but biggest flopper. Biggest flopper? I've gotten a few different answers. I don't even know if I can name a flopper, to be honest. I don't even really be paying attention that much to even know. Who did people say? Okay, we've gotten we've gotten Sophie Cunningham. We've gotten Kelsey Plum. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Now that now that these names come to mind. Yes, we agree with those. Okay. We agree with those. Okay, I would agree with okay. those. Okay, on to the next. What is your biggest basketball ick? I don't like when... This is not really game related, but I okay. don't like it when people leave the court on a missed shot. Ooh, yeah. I feel like that's just bad vibe. That's bad energy. And I don't like that. It's just bad juju. Like if you're missing your outside shot, go take a damn layup and then run off the court. It's fine. Okay, who's your GOAT? Um, women or men? Or we you could do both? both. You could do both. My goat for men is between Michael Jordan or Kobe. Okay. My woman goat that is tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna have to say Cheryl Swoops. Okay, a good pick. A good yeah. pick. Okay, then our last rapid fire is: What's your best impersonation of Coach Miller? Because I know he's a character. Oh my gosh. He's a clapper. He loves to clap all the time. Like, even when we're on the bus, like, we'll get off the bus and we'll be like, let's go, guys. And we'll just sit here and clap. Sir, off the bus? And when we're on the bus getting off, he will clap. He'll be like, let's go. And just clap, 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 clap. When we're stretching, he likes to clap. Like, he's just a clapper. He's a clapper. Well, we, we love the energy. Yeah. I can't do it now, but he loves to stomp. He's a stomper. Like, you, you've seen him. I've seen the stomps. He stomps and it's like so funny because it's like, why are you stomping? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand, but that's, I can't do it right now because then you won't see me in the camera. But he loves to stomp, he loves to clap. Yeah, that's Kurt. Jordan, this has been amazing. I've appreciated you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And good luck the rest of the way in the season. I hope we both make playoffs. Yeah, we both going to be up in there. Yeah, I hope we both make playoffs. How about that? We both going to be up in there. (laughs) But thank you for being on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of Sometimes I Hoop. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Sometimes I Hoop. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Haley.Jones. That's no I in Haley and three S's in Jones to get all the Sometimes I Hoop content. You can also watch the episodes on the Players' Tribune YouTube page. Thanks again for all your support. The Players' Tribune dot com.